Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Welcome to Becoming Parents. I'm going to butcher the name. It's Mai. Yes, you got it. I got it. Yay. <laughs> I love it. I'm like the most popular name in all of history. So I love unique names, even if I don't pronounce it correctly every time. Thank you for being here. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I want to jump in actually and talk about your book. So I love that I get like little bullet points where I don't know very much about your story, but I know that you're in the process of writing a book. So I actually want to start there. Sure. Well, I'm writing my book. It has been taking me in so many directions. And my book is about my experience with abortion so I'm bringing other women to tell their stories. And with everything that is going on right now, I really had to step back and think, okay, how do I want to process this? And, and really, this book is not about, you know, politics or religion. It's about our stories and how we're feeling and how we're processing um, our feelings and where are we in the healing process? I have women that had come to me and they say, you're the first person that I tell my story to. Like I haven't talked about it with no one. Mm. And um, they tell me, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, I know I'm in the right path because that's what I want. I want my book to be not to um, have, or maybe yes, to give people permission to, to maybe get the book and write down how they feel, write down and maybe burn the paper afterwards because you don't have to tell the world your story. Maybe you just need to get a piece of paper, write down all your feelings and then burn it. You know, it, it's however you want to process those feelings. So I know I'm in the right direction. I just needed to uh, take a little step back because of everything that is going on right now in the, in the world and in the U.S., um, you know, with the abortion uh, things yeah. and, and all that stuff. Yeah, this is a really interesting timing uh, yes. to have this podcast because of everything happening in the U.S. And how yeah people fall all over the map on how they feel about it mm -hmm. um but definitely it's opened up some questions about moving forward and and what that's right. going to look like um i love that you're writing this and i love that you started writing it based on your own experience Did, have you shared your story outside of writing this book who have you shared your story with well i'd like to say that i'm an open book but I don't just go out and saying, hey, by the way, I had an abortion. <laughs> you know, it's not something that unless people ask me, I am very open about talking about it. But, you know, for a very long time, I would just have this inside of me. And I didn't understand a lot of the times when I used to go to church and I would cry all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I wasn't 
part of, I wasn't in, in the right place because I did this or, you know, that's how we feel. And, and at least that's how I felt. Um, I used to then work for my church and I was like, I feel like I'm not part of it. Why do I feel this way? And there was a lot of feelings that I had in process uh, throughout the years, you know, and if somebody talked about it, like even my family, like I never talked about my family um, with my family. And that's how the book came to life. Like, you know what? I'm going to write a book about it because we were having this conversation. We had um, a family chat and they were talking about, you know, abortion and people are murderers and blah, 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 and all these things. And I, and I was just looking at the chat and I started getting so nervous and I was so pissed in a way. I was like, what do you mean? And you know, and this and that, and I had an abortion and suddenly my cousin, the one that said, you know, people, oh, but you're not. All right. What made you say I'm not? because I'm your cousin, because you know me, because you have feelings for me, because you love me. So what makes me different from another person? And I did it and I have to carry this. Maybe some people, you know, they feel no regrets. I was having this mixed feelings about how I felt. And um, I remember one time I got this email and that person didn't know I had an abortion, of course, but he sent me this, email and it was pictures of um how they do the abortions and I looked at it and I started crying and I called my husband oh my god you know I got this email and you know did you see how they take the babies and and oh my god I feel horrible and he's like why are you looking at that like we never really sat down and talk about you know how I felt, how he felt about the abortions. We never took the time to really process um, that. So it was never something that we sat at the table and say, hey, honey, let's talk about, you know, the abortion. Do you want to know how I really feel about it? Like that was something that we ever talked about. So he's like, stop looking at that stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to stop. And then you know, I will go with my day, and I will get busy because that's the best thing we do. Especially us women, you know, we get busy. Oh, let's avoid. Let's start avoiding. And, and this was something that happened years ago. I was 21 when I had my first abortion because I had two. And I was 21. So that is something that we put like deep, 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 deep down. <laughs> So it was something that we never talked about. And uh, yeah, so it's it's really hard. And and I decided, oh, I was going, um, I was, let me finish the story. And that's how I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to write a book and I'm going to help other women. And they need to process this. They need to heal. Maybe they don't want to go to church and talk about it with their pastor, with their priest or whoever, whatever church they go to. Maybe they don't want to uh, go to um, uh, a meditation or one of those places where they talk about the universe. Maybe they just want to process that by themselves. But 
the thing about healing is that sometimes we are humans and we need that connection with another person that would tell us um, it's okay. You know, how are you feeling really deep down in your soul? Um, are you about to commit suicide? Maybe you yeah. can help somebody um, commit suicide. I was reading one of um, a story uh, of this girl that uh, one of those forums that I go in and, and they were talking about abortion. And this girl um, was saying something um, that her mom committed suicide. She did have the baby. It was her. Uh, but she said, you know what? If she never had me, I would have not known any better. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right, you know, but that was her story. And now she has to live with that, that her mom killed herself because she she couldn't have an abortion. And I, I don't know what was going through her mind, right? Um, what was her state of mind? Um, obviously, it wasn't a, a a good place because she killed herself mm -hmm. and now that kid has to live with that that her mom it, it was her fault now she's thinking it's my fault and if I was never in this world you know I would have known any better because I wouldn't I, I don't exist now I exist and I have to live with this and I feel so bad for her you know hopefully she is in a good place now um mentally and emotionally and you know, I work so with it's uh, a big topic. It is. It's a hot topic. I am a bereavement doula. And so I work with women who have had miscarriage and mm. or abortions because those are two topics where we you're right. We stuff it down. We never sit and have the conversation and talk about how we feel. And it's a trauma and it's uh, a grief. So at some point you're, you, you need to face the issues that you're having from the loss of a child, regardless of how it happened. And it's interesting. A lot of people who have had abortions at the time may either, may either not realize how hard it was for them or traumatic um, or they stuff it, or they do realize and just don't talk about it because they feel right. shame and embarrassment um, one of my best friends in high school had an abortion and later she got married and had a couple of miscarriages and felt like God was punishing her. You know, wow. I mean, like there's yes. so much emotion going on with that. And to, regardless of of how I feel about what you did, the grief and the trauma is something that we can get through no matter what. No, no one deserves to sit and wallow in this grief and trauma that they're feeling from a decision. They can't go back and change. Exactly. So and, and yeah, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And to touch a little bit on what you said about the shame and having uh, kids, because um, when I did my first ab abortion, I was 21 then um, I got pregnant. We decided, you know what? Now we got married and um, we were together for a while already. I was 26 and I was like, you know what? Like, I think it's time for me to, to, me, uh, to, to have a baby. And, and let me tell you, when I did the abortion and I went to the clinic, um, let, let, let me go back a little on, on the story when we decided to um, had the abortion, I we were dating for six months only. And he had two um, kids for, from prior, prior marriage. Um, 
And I was, when I found out that I was pregnant, like I felt this, I don't know if I could say happiness, but I felt something that I cannot explain. And when I went to the clinic, the, the girl showed me the, like, they're not supposed to show you this. But she, she, she like went like this, like a little, you know, to the side. And I saw the sonogram and it was just like a black, you know, just a sack. Like I was like, I, I think I was like four weeks or maybe five. I was, you know, like you couldn't see anything. And I saw the sonogram and I was like, oh my God, I have something inside of me. But you know what? Um, and I'm not going to blame my husband, you know, because, you know, it, at the end of the day is, it, it was my choice. Unfortunately, um, the, that heaviness falls down in the woman. And, and I was like, oh my God, you know, so I just went to sleep and I don't remember anything else. I went home and that's that. We never talked about it. Nothing ever happened. My family, nobody knew. I couldn't talk to my mom and not because I didn't want to. It, it's just that I try to forget about it. Then I, when I was 26, I decided, you know, wow, I want to have a baby and I got pregnant and I was so happy and I went to the doctor. It was just a little black thing, you know, and I was like, oh my God. So I remembered that trigger that day and I was like so happy and I miscarried and I was like, oh my God, this is a punishment and going right. back to what you were saying about punishment and I was so shameful and I was like, this is a punishment from God, you know, because of what I did. Then I got pregnant again. And um, and the, the first miscarriage, it was like a funeral at my house. And, and I remember my cousin praying, you know, the baby's going to stay. Don't worry about it. When you wake up, everything is going to be good. And I knew I had lost the baby because, you know, I went to the bathroom and I like, when you get your period and you get those little, you know, it was just like that, like your period and it went right. bloke. And I'm like, oh my God, the baby went through. And I went to the doctor. I had nothing. So the second time, uh, the third time I got pregnant, I was so happy. You know, I saw the baby, the head, the little body, the hands were like, you know, um, already forming. Um, and on the next sonogram, and it, this was back then, we didn't have like 3Ds or I yeah. think 3D were coming uh, into place, you know, uh, they were starting to be, um, I don't, I, I want to say popular because it was something new. But when I went with my video uh, tape, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it was the videotape, <laughs> so they had to record that and I was so happy. I see the doctor, you know, I see the sonogram, I see the baby and I'm like, I, he looks up or he or she, they, they, it looks so small, like nothing grew, you know, I'm like, why does it look like it, it's still the same? And I'm like, and I saw it in his face and I knew there was something wrong. And, um, and I was like, there's something wrong, something really bad. And I just don't want to know. And he said, you know what? You need to drink a lot of water. I'm going to send you downstairs because um, downstairs it was, you know, the professionals and they sent me 
to do another sonogram because I cannot hear the 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 heartbeat. And usually, when as soon as you put the what do you call that the, the Doppler, the Doppler, the, yeah, the Doppler, and you yeah. can hear the the heartbeat, yeah, like right away. That's the first thing you hear. And so they sent me there and no heartbeat. And they told me, you know what, the baby, the baby, you know, like we have to do a procedure. And I just didn't want to know. I, I didn't even want to know what the procedure was called or anything. So I go to the uh, doctor's office to make the appointment. And my husband asked, oh, what's going on? You know, why, um, when can we videotape or whatever? And I just, I was just pissed off at the moment but I wasn't pissed off at him I was just pissed off at myself and and I turned around and and I was like what can you not understand the baby's dead and I just started crying and crying and he started crying and I was like it is a punishment it is a punishment from God because um I did this horrible thing back back then and just to make the story, uh, the story short, I got pregnant and I had my baby, my first baby. It was frustrating because every time she didn't move, I would think, oh my yeah. gosh, she died. She died. Oh my gosh, she died. And she was a bridge baby. So um, it was more frustrating because sometimes I will, she was, she will just not move because her head was um, here yeah, her yeah. butt was here and her feet were down there so it was just a little frustrating and uh, I was just in this constantly fear of is she going to die then mm -hmm. she um, was born and then I had my second baby and then I got pregnant I didn't know I was pregnant because I was supposed to be taken care of like I was supposed to be cut burnt and that's it no more baby kidding you, yes. I was, oh my gosh. I was, they were, they were supposed to do that. Cause that's the first thing I told my husband, make sure you tell them, make sure that uh, they cut it because they say, um, because she was an emergency C-section. Um, so they didn't do it. Of course I didn't sign papers. I didn't know. They never told me. Right. So a few months I find out um, I'm pregnant again. I, I wasn't in a car accident. And I was 100% sure that I wasn't pregnant. And the doctor kept asking me, are you sure you're not pregnant? Because you go, you're going to go into heavy, heavy x-rays and a lot of tests and a lot of things. And I'm like, I'm not pregnant. I can put my hands in the fire right now. And I'm not pregnant because I was that sure. And so the last, uh, they did all this testing. And at the end, the doctor said, you know what? I just have to do it, you know, by law, I have to do it, but I'm like, okay, fine. You know, we already did all this stuff um, anyways. And I know I'm not pregnant. The test comes back and he says, you're pregnant. I'm like, what? You're pregnant. I'm like, there's no way that I'm pregnant. There's no way that I'm pregnant. I was pregnant. Yeah. You and think you got your tubes tied and you can't get pregnant. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> and like, oh, so my tubes are not tied yeah. and I'm pregnant and I'm again in this state of mind thinking, what are we going to do? I'm like, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, well, we're going to have the baby. And my husband is like, we can have the baby or can we have the baby? What are we going to do? 
And I'm faced in this reality again, that it's my choice. Like I have to decide and I have two kids and how can I do this again after having two children? And I made the decision, you know, it's, I have to have an abortion. And that was the most horrifying truth for me because this time I didn't have the surgical. I didn't even know that it was that easy just to drink a pill and the baby will just disappear like that. And I remember being on the bed and drinking the pill because they make you drink the first pill at the clinic then you have to take the second pill at home. And I was looking at the pill and I'm like, oh my God, um, oh my God, that's it, you know, um, I have to drink it. Or I, I think it's two pills, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember. I just remember being in the bed and when I was having the pain um, of, you know, already going through the procedure of, However, the baby died inside of you. Um, it was the most horrifying experience of my life. And every day I, you know, even if I try not to think about it, I ask God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell myself, you know, if it wasn't supposed to happen, like God would have told me, you know, stop. Stop, boy. Why are you doing this? Why? So I have to find peace within myself that, you know, did I make the right choice? And every day I have to ask myself, did I make the right choice? And when I talk to my kids, it's like, you know, how the hell did I do this? Why did I make this, 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 this why did I make this choice? And I asked, my babies, you know, one day, um, if I really believe and I have faith and I believe that there's life after death, that one day God is going to say, here are your babies. And you make this choice because you were supposed to go through this. You were supposed to save other women. You were supposed. And I like to think that that's the reason why I'm still alive. There's a, there has to be a purpose why I'm still here why I'm still here to tell my children and who am I to tell other women that they're, they cannot do this and there's not going to be a place for them to have a safe place to do this. And who am I to judge them? And if I had the same um, opportunity to do that, like, I had the opportunity to say no, and I did it anyways. And I don't know, it's just, it's just crazy to me that why is a miscarriage okay? Uh, that's not a punishment from God. And why me having that decision of having an abortion? So who's to say what's wrong, what's, what's right? And why is God punishing you here and not punishing you there? Is this the cross that I was supposed to carry? And there's so many questions that I don't have an answer to. But the only thing that I can say is that if God put this in my heart to be able to be a voice, to be able to have this book, there's a reason why I have a book in me, right? There's a reason why God is telling me, 
this is the path that you're supposed to take. So I need to take it. You had two, both abortions were pretty early on. And then the two miscarriages, one was earlier than the other. Well, the, the first abortion, uh, you froze. You're good. Okay, you're back. <laughs> okay, good. So the first abortion, I was 21. I got pregnant again at 26, more yeah. or less 26. And I had a miscarriage. Then I was so um, um, like about six or I don't know how long in between I, I had, I was pregnant again and I had another miscarriage. Right. Then I was like, oh my God, it's a punishment. That's it. I won't be able to have kids. They messed up when I had the, the abortion, my first abortion. Right. Um, they messed me up. There's something inside of me that they, you know, like, I don't know, maybe they removed something out of myself that, you know, now I cannot have a baby. Like they're all dying. And so I had my first daughter um, at 29. I, I was pregnant when I oh, when wow, I was 29. Okay. Then at 32, I had my second baby. And okay. six months later, I find out I'm pregnant again. So I had got my it, got it. second abortion when I was about 33, probably. So those two babies that you gave birth to, the first one was breech. And was yes. that that was that the emergency C-section? No, the second one was the Okay. Did you did you have a C-section with the first one? The first one was a C-section. She never turned, even okay. though okay. I tried everything. Yep. I went to YouTube and I'm like, it's a bridge baby. What do I do to turn this baby around? And I will put myself um with my head down and my feet up. And oh my goodness, I tried everything. Nothing worked for me. So she was bridge baby so she was a c-section now with my second one i was working i used to be the executive director for a nonprofit, and every year we did an expo um i was at the expo and everybody was like woman go home you look like you're about to give birth and they weren't kidding i went i was like okay okay i'm gonna go so i i left somebody in charge and i was like i called my husband i'm like i'm going straight to the hospital like I can even drive. There's something I'm feeling something which I never felt with my first one because it was a C-section. It was planned. Right. So I went straight to the hospital and they say, you know what? Um, you're you're like ready, but you're not ready. You could be here for two days. <laughs> you're 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 not that far. So so they sent me home. When I got home in the morning. Uh, my mother-in-law uh, came to visit with my stepson and I was like, do you feel like it, it's really cold in here? Do you feel like it's cold in here? And she was like, no, it's it's okay. It's good. And I'm like, oh, I have to go to my my bed. I lay down because I just feel like really cold. And I started, you know, I was shivering and I was, and she was like, we have to call the rescue. The rescue came and he's like, oh, you're about to give birth, but it's better. Uh, that you call your husband and they he takes you by the time we call because the fire department came and I'm like what would they send the fire department my house is not on fire <laughs> <laughs> and he said it's procedures I don't know if that's in Florida only <laughs> mm -hmm. if that's a Florida thing but um they say 
by the time the paramedics and the, you know, the ambulance comes, you know, it's better for you to go by yourself. And I was like, okay, good. So I'll go by myself. So my husband drove me to the hospital and it was, I was just like, it was like a movie, like out of the blue, like they just put this thing in my, in my face and they drove me to the emergency. Like the baby was, um, I guess, suffocating. It was really hot because I had fever. Nobody knew why I had fever, <laughs> but until this day, they never told me what happened. You know, she was in NICU for a week. And that was another thing that it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is my baby going to die? You know, I'm like, I don't want to go through this again. And it was just uh, crazy. Tell me what things you've had these four losses and two pretty fairly traumatic births. I mean, I know the first one was a planned cesarean, but it's interesting, like nothing's going the way you think it's going to go. Right. I, I feel like writing has been one of the big things to help you heal and connect with other people about their stories. And there's something definitely in connecting with other people and their stories that also helps them heal. And it helps you heal more in my opinion. Yes. Um, when I talk to women about their miscarriages and they share that with me, like a little bit of me heals more and more every single time. Right. So what else have you done to work through the trauma and the, the negative emotions? And I don't, I know my negative emotion was shame. That might not have been yours, but whatever the negative emotions were and the feelings of trauma and the stuffing it down other than writing, or was that the biggest thing that helped you get through this? (laughs) No. And this might sound crazy. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) ever since I can remember ever since I was a little girl the way that I process my emotions and um, I'm the oldest of my cousins my my grandmother had three daughters and the three daughters from their kids I'm the oldest so I've always been perceived as the strong the strong one in the family I'm the strong woman in the family Um, so I've never felt like people had to see me crying. Like I I can't let all the people see me crying. I never saw my grandmother cry. And to me, she was my hero. I've never saw her cry. To me, she was a strong woman and I want to be my grandmother. Mm, She was an entrepreneur before I even knew what the word meant. Um, she was everything to me. And so my mom left my country when I was about nine years old and she came to the U.S. And that was another thing that was really hard for me. And my mom, when I was about five or four, five, four, six, she was in a coma. And for a very long time, I couldn't sing happy birthday because I didn't want my mom to see me crying. So every time I will sing happy birthday, I will turn my face. I will think about something else. I will not see people in their, in, 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 in their eyes. I will not have eye contact. And I will just look around and process and bite my tongue and do all the things, right? So when I was little, I will put at 3 p.m., if I'm not mistaken, it was around that time, they will put like MTV, the music, mm-hmm. Um, they, they have this in, in, in U.S. that they put the music 
um, now it's like all the time, but there was this time at 3 p.m. they will put music and I will put my, my chair and they will put this music that it was just beautiful, but it was so lonely. <laughs> the music was so sad because it was like romantic music. So they will put this music and I will just there, look at the video and just imagine things and I will cry and cry and cry. And out of the blue, they will put this music like to dance. So then I will get happy and dance and then run to the bathroom, put water in and just, you know, and that's how I process my feelings. When my sister died, when my, you know, like that's the way, that's the only way I know how. When my sister died, like I will put like the saddest music on Spotify and I will put our, our um, childhood music, like ABBA. ABBA, it's my, yeah. my greatest of all time group. And Chiquitita and all those musics. And I will put it and I will cry and cry and cry. And then I will put music to dance. Like the best DJ club music that I could find, I will put it and I will dance and dance and dance. And I will look at myself in the mirror and say, you're nuts. You're crazy, but you know what? Now I feel good. Now I feel like it worked for me. So that really works for me. So when you don't know how to talk to someone, try that. Try writing. Try writing. Like I said before, write it, burn it, do whatever you want with that. Uh, listen to something sad get those tears out of your system and then put something happy something that bring you because you know what I cannot bring those babies back I cannot bring my sister back and for a long time I felt like I, I feel guilty because I was the one that had to say disconnect my sister from life support and that was another traumatic event because how can I do that? How can I say that when somebody's supposed to go? Like, what if she wakes up? And of course she didn't. As soon right. as they take, took that out, um, like a few minutes, like maybe two minutes, I will say, um, it took, you know, for her briefing. And we were like, oh my God, she's coming back. And my cousin will pray, get up, get up. From, you know, it, it, it was like a movie. And I was like, for, for a very long time, for the, this past year, uh, five years, I've been working through that. Because what if she was going to get up? And what if she was still in this life support? What if? And we'll start with the what if, what if, what if? And like I said, I don't have answers to all the questions that I ask myself. Um, but what if, if, if it never happened? So that was one thing that I used a lot. <laughs> and I don't know if psychologists I, use some type of things. <laughs> I love writing, fine. writing and music. Those are two great things to process through. Yes. Thank you so much for being on today. I, I appreciate you sharing your story. It's a tough one. Yeah. I, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And like I said, if, if we can, and thank you for doing this, because if we can help one person mm -hmm. that is listening right now, and you feel like there's no way out, there's always a way. 
Yep. Talk to someone. If you're not a religious person, uh, talk to your pet. Sometimes we don't see that we have grayness in us, despite anything that we have done. You have grayness in you, and you can help somebody else. Go and serve the homeless. Go and serve somebody. Be of service, and that's another way to heal. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for uh, allowing me this space to tell my story. And and I hope that my book, if um, if it helps one person, you know, yeah. my heart will, will be fulfilled. 